Welcome everybody to the Pierce Point Podcast. This podcast is designed to be a thought-provoking journey through the scriptures. Every weekday, my friend and fellow pastor Barney Estes and I walk through the Word of God verse by verse. As always, we'd love to know your thoughts about today's episode. You can hit us up at Pierce Point Church on Facebook or Instagram. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, here we are in our final wrap-up of this great gospel of Luke, and we're doing this right in the midst of one of the most interesting times yes. in any of our lives. So um, uh, hopefully we can we can take these words, peace, peace be to you, uh, quite literally in this yes. time. Yes. So we're starting at verse 36, and we're jumping uh, down to whopping verse 53. It'll be a shorter podcast today, I believe. But uh, what stands out to you, sir? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think we've got a, uh, as always, a very, a very interesting and, and uh, uh, jam-packed bunch of scriptures here and just these few that we're going to go over. And this, this, is so, this is so interesting because this seems to be giving us uh, or descri- describing to us a uh, series of events where Jesus appeared over about a 40-day period before he ascended to the Father. Uh, it seems to me that way. I could be completely off on that, but I, but it, it, but I, I think this is, this is very, very interesting scripture because we're going to see and hear some things that uh, are going to challenge our understanding. Yeah, absolutely. So as we just begin in verse 36, we know that we're picking up off of um, the Lord, uh, you know, the, the declaration that the Lord has really risen. He has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road. This was the two uh, on the road to Emmaus, and they were talking about how they recognized uh, Jesus when they were breaking bread. So really powerful. Now, verse 36 jumps in and says, while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. So you talk about, uh, you talk about the outplay of a situation. I mean, I don't even have a clue what I would do in that moment oh, yeah. where I come back and I share this truth that we, he broke bread with us, guys. We, we were on the road to Emmaus. He broke bread with us. And it was in that moment we knew it. He was speaking scriptures to us. He was showing us how he had to die and rise again. Our hearts were burning within us. All of these stories. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and says, peace be to you. Um, and, and no wonder verse 37 says what it says. But they were startled and frightened <laughs> and thought that they were seeing a spirit. Yeah, I, I, I would have been right with them. I, I don't know that it, I would have understood this. Now, this the uh, this appearance of of Christ seems to be the same uh, uh, meeting. Though it's, I think it's a, a kind of a late Sunday meeting that G, that uh, Jesus had with with the with the eleven. That's uh, described in John chapter twenty. Now, and and it's so very interesting when we hear that in that in that uh, gospel uh, of John it, uh, John gives the detail that 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 Jesus appeared when the doors were shut which which would have mean that he would have suddenly maybe appeared in the midst of the closed room without without making an entrance without opening a door or yeah. without so this is this is always the things that challenge our mind about what what this is Jesus obviously, 
is in some type of while a, while a physical body, still a spirit body as well. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it is important as we're reading through these verses to take uh, to take very good care to look at every word that is written here. I think they're all written. I believe that they're all written for a reason. Mm-hmm. And we need to be going back, of course, to the, the original text to find out what, what's there, what's not there, what's added for readability and all of those things. But here we have no, um, we have no uh, at least perceived added words for readability in verse 37 when it says, but they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. Mm -hmm. So Jesus appears, here's their train of thought. He just got crucified. Mm -hmm. He was buried. We saw the tomb with the stone rolled into place. Everything was as it was supposed to be. We have witnesses that go, he has disappeared. We have angelic visitations to them. They're, they're running back and telling us a story. Peter runs to the, to the tomb. He is experiencing these things. Then we have these uh, two uh, brothers or brother or sister, whoever the combination is on the road to Emmaus. They encounter Jesus. He, dead people, uh, dead people often stay dead, right? Yeah. And so they have a framework for resurrection, but it's just really strange. So you can understand why they would look at this and say they thought they were seeing a spirit. Mm-hmm. But verse 38 goes on, and we're going to see as we go through 40 and, and on down, it's a very important thing. Jesus has appeared to them in a resurrected or in a fleshly resurrected mm-hmm. body. So it says, They were startled, verse 38, and he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? Now, this is just quintessential Jesus. He's he's already got a gauge on their hearts and the doubts they're dealing with. Uh, But don't don't miss the fact that they were visibly distraught. So you could kind of see the trouble that they're in and the doubts they're having. Verse 39, see my hands, Jesus says, and my feet. That it is I myself. Touch me and see, for for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. What has Jesus just said there? I'm not, I'm not a manifestation of a spirit. I am flesh and blood. Flesh and blo- bones are what you see here. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, which is very powerful. So verse 40 jumps in and says, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So he's showing them the scars. He's showing him the the holes, if you will, uh, for the crucifixion. That is the understanding of why he would show to them his hands and his feet. I mean, what, what sense would that make otherwise? Yeah, it's, 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 he gave them a, a reason to completely, uh, see that it was him, that, his identity, the the bodily existence, the, this this was the same body that he had before the cross, and that was the same body that was on the cross, Surely. and the same body that was in the tomb. It's it's it, it is uh, quite quite unfathomable to me. I don't understand this piece of it in the sense that when you consider that the resurrection body of Jesus had the same wounds and as he, as he did when he was crucified and and I don't know there are numerous pieces of of conjecture about this or people that believe there are scholars that believe that he wanted to exhibit 
the wounds to let them know, then this makes sense, to let them know that it was him, that it was the very same Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to be... Uh, uh, to to memorialize what ha- had happened on the cross, and that would make sense to me as well. But it's just it's beyond our understanding. One of these days, we'll have to ask him why, how all that happened. Yeah. You know. So it is important that Jesus that we understand Jesus's resurrection is not some spiritual or um, uh, you know. Uh, uh, analogy or a picture of the resurrection or something. It was a physical, literal resurrection. We believe that this is the case. He appears and shows himself to be literally physically resurrected. And the beauty is that that is the promise that awaits mm-hmm. us. There is a resurrection that we're encountering, and it's not just some sort of spiritual out-of-body experience. Uh, what is amazing is that in the this just defies the whole Gnostic idea that the flesh is bad, uh, you know, in as in the created fleshly world that we live in, that it is bad in and of itself, and then there is a spiritual realm that is all good. This is Platonic. This is not. This is not biblical. This is not. Um, this is not biblical. So. The idea is that in the garden, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the spiritual and the physical. And in doing that, he calls it all good. It is good. What makes these things problematic or wrong is sin. Mm -hmm. Sin is the problem inside of all this. So in the new order of things, God is giving us a new heaven and a new earth. He's creating a new physical world. He's resurrecting our bodies in a physical sense because he plans on setting us back out to the work of the kingdom that he had designed in the garden. This is the grand story where we're returning to an Eden Mm -hmm. and and that being the temple of God where God walks among his people. Mm -hmm. So important pieces to remember inside of this. So Jesus stresses, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Verse 39, verse 40, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And just like you said, the the confirmation that he is Christ, he is, he is the one. Verse 41 then goes on and says, while they still could not believe it because of their unbelief. No, 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 no. They couldn't believe it because of their joy and their amazement. Yeah. The, the amazement is almost an astonishment, this this idea that says, whoa, it's him. I mean, he, he's here. Yeah. And that will cause you to to stand in disbelief as well. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's malicious, our disbelief. Sometimes we just don't want to believe something. But in this, their disbelief was out of joy and amazement. Yeah. It seems to me that this would be, this as I read this and, and see how it's described, it would be like us saying, in, 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 in my opinion, wow, this is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's, he's standing in front of them, but it is difficult for them to believe. And, and they, their, their joy and amazement, I've seen things that have amazed me so much that I thought, I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. I don't even know. But, but, but it's, it is very, very notable that, that for that moment, that their joy kept them from faith and believing. And, and that's, that's strange. And I, uh, there, are, there are other times when uh, it seemed that, that, that joy 
kept in the in the scripture kept them from believing something. And in, in, in Genesis forty five, Jacob couldn't believe that Joseph was alive, that his son was alive, because the new, the news seemed too good to be true. Yes, that his son was gone, and yet and and but it just so we see other other circumstances in scripture where there was some type of a joy that they just the news seemed too good to be true. Yeah. And that that right there is precisely what's happening in this moment. I, I I have the picture in my mind that we we often see. You can you could probably YouTube it now and find a find a video of a, a soldier surprising his family by coming mm-hmm. home. And there are these there are these videos that you'll watch where uh, a dad will come home to his family after being deployed for all this time and it's on a surprise thing. And when they see him, their first reaction is, you know, many times you see the reaction is that they break down in tears and they run after dad or something. But there there are also videos that you'll watch and people people are like dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. They're they're they just fall down and start weeping or or they they go, no, and they turn around. You'll see these kinds of things. This is the kind of uh, disbelief that they had. It wasn't a no way. It's more of a, they now know this to be true and it just seems too good. Yeah. Now King Jesus is right here in front of us. So that's a pretty awesome thing. Now, now what he says next is more <laughs> astonishing in yes. my opinion than anything yes. else. Jesus's first question is, got something to eat? <laughs> Like, dude, serious. And that's the first time I've called my Lord dude. But anyway, so the the idea here, have you anything here to eat? I'm thinking, okay, hold on, hold on a second. Time out. You fed us on the fish and the loaves on two different occasions. You just raised from the dead. Uh, Are you serious right now? Like, you, why do you need food? (laughs) There is. There's not a lot of people that tackle this piece, I, I and, and and scholars alike. Now, there's con, conject, conjecture. You can come up with a lot of things that don't make any sense. But the only thing that can make any sense is 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 that as we've said before, you you follow what the scripture is doing. You follow the context of the story, and the context of the story is that Jesus is trying to say, "Look, I, I want to convince you in any way that I can that it's that I'm truly who I say I am. That this is me in the flesh, in, in the, the flesh. body that I died on the cross on. So this was more evidence that it was the same Jesus. It, this was." doing something with them that he had done many times yes. was, was eat a meal with them. Yes. So I, I can only, and that's my, my thought on it. I, I, it'll be, I, I'll be anxious to see what other people yeah. think about that. This seems to be the stress though. I mean, think about what verse 41 rolls into 41. Have you anything here to eat? And then for, uh, verse 42, if it would have stopped here, we would have been like, why do you ask such a weird question? <laughs> they gave him a piece of broiled yes. fish. But verse 43 is what really drives this thing home. Why in inspired scripture, why in all of God's word, which is inspired and useful for teaching and rebuking and training in righteousness, why in the world would we? see recorded verse 43 that says he took it and he ate it before them. Yeah. He wanted them to know like this is not what spirits do here, guys. This is not what ghosts do. This is not what disembodied things do. This is what physical people do. And right now I'm a physical people. (laughs) I'm here before you. It's powerful. He, and, and it, when we go down and we see what comes next, 
is just is just amazing because it lends credence to what we've been yes. saying in that it, there is something so important for them to understand that they believe that it's him in the flesh. They believe that's Jesus because he's got some far more important things to tell yes. them other than, guys, I am here. If you got to... You know, if you've got to touch my hands, if you've got to see me eat, whatever it takes, because we've got other business to attend yeah. to here. Now, you're bringing up something that I believe is just absolutely beautiful. We've got a we've got a character in the scriptures that is uh, that is labeled for all of human history as doubting Thomas. Yes, and yes, there is this moment in which he has to he has to feel the scars and and the holes of Jesus and all of that is there. And we look at it and say, you know, he doubted, he was doubting Thomas. Number one, the Bible doesn't call him doubting Thomas. Uh, the idea though, is that Jesus says this, this interesting phrase, and it's not recorded here, but, but the idea is, you know, blessed are those who believe and yet do not see, but let's remember who's present here. Thomas, sure, in the gospel has to feel the nail-scarred hands and the feet, but Jesus has eaten in front of them to prove to all of them that he is who he says he is. Jesus has told them all to look at his flesh, his hands and his feet, so that they would believe. The truth of the matter is, Thomas, doubting Thomas, or whatever we want to call him, all of them were astonished at what they were seeing, and they and they were struggling with it. And Jesus proved to all of them. When the Bible says, blessed are those who believe and yet do not see, that was not a direct reprimand of Thomas, per se. It was a, a, a statement of uh, of blessing, honestly, to us. We are believing in Jesus, the nail-scarred hands and all, even though we did not get the privilege yeah. to see what they saw. But it is really important when we're looking at scripture that we have to understand every one of them needed these evidences. They, they're they all watching him eat like, mm -hmm. is the fish going to drop out of his tunic here because he's just a spirit? No, because he's going to eat it and it's going to be real because he is in the flesh. Yes. So remembering that is important for us. That instruction that blessed are those who, who believe and do not see, that's us. That's it's exactly a statement right. of blessing for us. That's exactly right. And, and none of them were any different than... Uh, Thomas. None of them were any different. And, and we see that over and over again. It's just that Thomas was the one that, that had the wherewithal to say, hey guys, I, I need help with this. Yes, I yes. need to understand this yes. better. And, and, but I think we're about to see such, such an important piece of this that Jesus wanted them to know. It, it isn't any coincidence that he's trying to get them to understand that Spot this on. is him because he like we said he's got he he's about ready to to uh, to help them understand why this is important yes. why them they should know that it is actually Jesus that's standing in in front of them yes. when he goes on now you have to imagine that as this thing is playing out in in verse 44 what Jesus is about to say that the two who were on the road to Emmaus are sitting there going wait till he drops exactly. this one on them we've yes. seen this we've heard this before our our hearts were burning within us as he was sharing these very things with us wait till we see what these guys do with it so verse 44 says now he said to them these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets 
and the Psalms. I love that yes. addition there. Yeah. It's so huge because obviously you're a huge fan yes. of the Psalms. <laughs> I am too, but that's cool. And it says, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So, wow. so we have a, a road to Emmaus experience for everybody who's sitting in this, in this room together. Verse 46, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city. What an amazing promise here. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, let's just unpack these verses just a little bit. Number one, we have the law, the prophets, and now even the Psalms, which have all mm-hmm. communicated this. So it's important if we're looking for where to go to communicate uh, that Jesus would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, the scripture would tell us that there is a way we can understand this mm-hmm. from the law, from the prophets, and from Psalms. Yes. That's, that's big instruction right there. That is huge. And I still am amazed at at people who who bypassed the Old Testament and the Psalms for that matter and only deal with the new with the New Testament scripture as far as preaching Jesus. He he's clearly said right here, th- this is this is all these guys needed. Now they saw him in the flesh doing these things, but they said he he yes. told them clearly, you should have understood it. These are the words that I yes. spoke to you and they talked about me. So mm-hmm. this is so important that we comprehend what he's doing here because we've we've said this many times, Nathan, you cannot you cannot do away with the Old Testament scripture. No, you you need it to understand the yes. New Testament yes. scripture. And uh, and where is this story beginning from if you don't have the Old Testament? Exactly. This is this gives rise this this divorcing of the old and the new testament gives rise to this idea um, of of Christianity being a new religion. <laughs> this is not Christianity is not intended to be a new religion. Jesus did not come to found a new religion. He came to be the fulfillment of an old one, and that old one was a Messiah for a Jewish people that also saved the world. So what a what an amazing piece to remember. So in verse. Um, in verse 46, he goes on and says, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. Now, you need to highlight that in your Bibles because it says, thus it is written. He's not saying, thus I'm saying to you now. He is referring to the idea that this concept is a concept of, of, of old. Now, is that easy for us to to discern from the Old Testament? Can we look back at the Old Testament without the helps of the New Testament and say, clearly, this was, it says it here, a Messiah will come and he will die and he will raise again on the third day. No, we cannot be so foolish to believe that it's that cut and dry. But in the New Testament scriptures, we have the apostles and we have the you have you have Paul and you have different writers that are communicating how the psalms were referring to Jesus how 
Isaiah was referring to Jesus, how Jeremiah was referencing Jesus, how Daniel was referencing Jesus over and over and over. So what we have is we have this really amazing melding or interpretation, uh, interpretive method that says the Old Testament is interpreted through the new and the Mm -hmm. new through the old. Mm -hmm. We need them both. You can't have one without the other. Absolutely. And and we have have the luxury. Think about Hmm. this. We should be able to, if we had to do this, now, uh, to, now we don't have to, but if we should be able to to show Christ in the old in the Old Testament, and we should be able to tell that gospel message from the Old Amen. Testament, if we had to do it, we should absolutely be able to do to do that. But now we have such a we have such a benefit of having the New Testament Scripture that helps us pull that all into one and say, now we understand what Jesus was saying. We know what the the Old Testament meant when it said this because it was talking about Christ. So we should never, ever separate the two, and we should be able to go to the very Scripture, and it's and, and, and it takes it just takes a little bit yes. of Bible study yes. for you to be able to go to the Old Testament Scripture that talks about Christ. Yeah. You could do that in, in literally 10 minutes. Yeah, I think we, we ought to be challenging ourselves to go to... Uh, to go to the Old Testament because we do have a grand audience to proclaim the gospel to, including Jewish people. Absolutely. We are to be able to prove this. And there are some of the greatest apologists in our world today that make it their mission to go to the Jewish people, even to Muslims in these different places. And those people have a very clear framework of Old Testament ideas. Absolutely. So I think we should do that. Uh, the early church frequently referred to things like Psalm 22, uh, Isaiah yeah. 53. We see all of those in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. So if we're looking at this, we're going to see uh, we're going to see what they were talking about when they said, when Jesus said, as it is written, the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. Yeah. Very and, important. And he has just given them some of the most basic doctrine of faith that we should be ad- adhering to. He's just laid down for them. This is what your uh, this is what your doctrine should be. If it's apart from this, you're 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 going down a, a wrong yes. path. Yes. So let's connect all of this together and realize he said more than just that he would suffer, rise again from the dead on the third day. What was written, thus it is written, what was written was not only that the Christ, the Messiah, would suffer, would rise again from the dead on the third day, but also that the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed Mm -hmm. in his name. John the Baptist comes to do that. And guess what? We're called to do the same thing, calling people to repent. And then it says, for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Remember what the Great Commission tells us. Matthew Matthew 28 is going to tell us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. So, so from of old, it is written that we are to go into all the nations and share the truth. Here is how that connects. That promise ages ago that was given to Abraham that said, through your seed, the world will be blessed— is the seed that is Jesus, and the message that we proclaim is Jesus. Mm -hmm. So how is it that the world is going to be blessed? How is it that the nations are going to be blessed and, and and understand the saving power of God? through what was written a long time ago, which mean, which includes us going in evangelistic fashion 
to a world that's dying and in need. So I love the fact that he says it's going to begin in Jerusalem. And guess where it began? It began right in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now, Acts 2 is going to then tell us that it has to emanate outward. It goes Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what you'll see and what we're going to see, because we're going to be tracking through the book of Acts for the next uh, good period of time on the podcast, is that we're going to watch how it unfolds in precisely that order. Mm -hmm. It goes to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and then what the Bible means by the ends of the world, which is everywhere else, yes. anywhere and everywhere yes. else, especially the Gentile world, which was the rest of the world. And, and, and I love the fact that you've pointed out that this is where this thing starts. That, that was a prophecy in itself. Yes. Isaiah 2, 3 says, says this, and many people shall go and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his path for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Yes. It's as clear as it can get, right? So I, I, I just, I think we need to really always look at, at, at what we're uh, really understand what we're reading here. And, and some of these things though, though the, the circumstances surrounding this proclamation were difficult for us to understand that, that that piece of it was not what Jesus was trying to get them to understand. He needed them to know that it was that that it was him that was yes. speaking. But this is why he needed them to know that this is important stuff. Absolutely. So verse 48 then jumps in and says, you are witnesses of these things. Now, now notice in Matthew 28, he's going to send his witnesses out. Well, yes, that's the point of all of this. So they're going to go and they're going to begin to preach the gospel. And that gospel gets proclaimed and continues on because you and I are a product of that commission moving forward. I love it. So verse 49, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you, uh, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So I love this picture that he says, I'm going to bless the world. I'm going to go and, and impact the whole world. This gospel and this message is going to, it's going to be through you, but you got to wait for power. Mm-hmm. You got to wait for power. Mm-hmm. Now that right there is an important question of prescriptive or descriptive. And this, we see yet again, is descriptive. Mm -hmm. The scripture will go on to tell us that everyone who accepts Jesus is filled with his spirit. Does that mean that we don't need further uh, further empowerments? Does that mean that we shouldn't eagerly desire the spiritual gifts? Of course, we should do all those things. But we will learn that if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to Christ. Yes. That's what Romans yes. will tell us. So we, we are all, the second we believe in Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and you know, for the rest of our days, walking out with walking out with God. But these people were awaiting a a a moment in redemptive history, mm-hmm. which makes this moment descriptive for us. Yes. Because if this was not descriptive, if this was to be prescriptive, we would have some of the most hilarious hoops to jump through. It would mean that every Christian that needed to be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit needs to go to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem. wait in the upper room yep. until Pentecost comes one one day of the year or something, yes. and then you're filled. That is patently absurd. We all know it is. So what we're coming on is a descriptive text 
that tells us what they had to do. And guess what happens as a result of that? Every one of us, the second we believe in Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we are empowered to move out. And we will be explaining every piece that we see in the book of Acts as we go through it in the future. They get they get really interesting. The stories get really interesting. Mm. But there's a reason why things happen the way they do. And we'll explain it as we go throughout that. So, yeah, I, and I, I love that you pointed that out because that is, that's extremely important that we realize and see that many of the things that Jesus was saying was to these people at that time because that was the circumstance that they were in, Absolutely. not necessarily to us. Absolutely. So now what we have is we've got Jesus. He leads them out as far as Bethany. And I love this line. It says, <laughs> he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And what this seems to be an echo to is Leviticus 9.22, right? Aaron lifts up his hands towards the people and he blesses them. And he steps down after making the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. That's Leviticus 9.22. So right here, Jesus has just done this. He has made the sin offering. He has been the sacrifice for people. And he makes this blessing to them. And while he was blessing them, he parted parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Remember, the scripture says he must sit at the right hand of the Father and then he will pour out his spirit on us. 52, and they, after worshiping him, this is is evidence, clear evidence that this is God. They wouldn't have worshiped an angel or they would have been halted from doing so. Mm. They worship him they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually, I love this, in the temple praising God. Yes. Because he's the fulfillment of a Jewish promise. <laughs> Absolutely. And he, he's blessing. And this is not a blessing that says, oh, I hope things go well for, exactly. for this wasn't it. And I, I love, and I'll, I'll end with this, it, Charles, Charles Spurgeon says, if he has blessed you, you shall be blessed, for there's no power in heaven or earth or hell that can reverse the blessing which he gives. Amen. Well, that's it for today, guys. And if you would, please like and share this podcast with your friends. And finally, remember 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work.